Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million, and this is a podcast where we discuss feminist issues in music and pop culture, all while empowering fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And before we start today, we do have some new Patreon members to shout out. So thank you so much to Julia and Sam for joining us on Patreon. We hope you're enjoying your bonus episodes. And that's right, folks. We have all of our bonus episodes available to pay whatever you want. Between $1 and $10, you can come join and get all of our bonus content that we've stocked up over the past year and a half and have more episodes coming out. As a little teaser, Sarah and I might go see the Louis Tomlinson documentary together and do a little recap. So stay (laughs) tuned for that. (laughs) And also today's episode, we are going to be getting into some stuff and the... The more unhinged side of it we did discuss on Patreon, which is uh, how musicians tend to lead to cult behavior, which we'll get to and how that makes sense with today's episode a bit later on. And so with all that being said, we do have some fangirl behavior to talk about. We do have some silly, goofy moments, if you will. (laughs) I think the Um, silliest and the goofiest happened to Sarah like the day we put out our episode last week. Oh, my God. Harry Styles is at it again, ruining my life and the internet's life. I think I was bleeding out of my eyes in response. (laughs) Like my my body just had a full breakdown moment because for two beautiful minutes, Harry Styles had up an Instagram story of a selfie in a gym mirror of him wearing a 2012 One Direction shirt. And the internet died because he basically posted a close friend story to his personal public Instagram story. And it's truly what dreams are made of. Like Harry Styles acknowledging One Direction is the best thing to ever happen to me personally. (laughs) (laughs) Because it doesn't happen that much. Harry will just be like, that band I was in. He just doesn't say anything. (laughs) Like if he does though, he's like the band. And I'm like, okay. All right, be more Harold. specific sir <laughs> <laughs> i just love that fans were like so basically he had this up on his story as you mentioned for like a two minutes like hardly any time and because it was like posted and then deleted and he never ever 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 posts instagram stories everyone was like oh my god he meant to put this on his close friends and he didn't but i'm also like how can you have a close friend story when you have that many millions of followers on your account that feels very chaotic like i feel like he like i if i was a celebrity i would just have to have like a completely like finsta secret private account i think i think most celebrities do have a private account because like he has talked about like accounts that he follows on instagram and then people like double checked his instagram fault like account and he's they're like you don't follow that kind of stuff on your harry styles official account yeah so maybe he just uploaded on the wrong account Whatever. I like to believe that he is a chaos demon and that he has a close friend story on his on work the official account. Herald, yeah. On the official Herald account. Oh my god. I'm also just like, who would be on that? Who would be on this close friend story? But he did acknowledge this like a few days later at a concert. Yes. And he was like, sometimes you accidentally upload things to your story. <laughs> and I was like, why is this the most like human you've sounded in two years? He's been so human in australia and i'm like is it because you're upside down like what is (laughs) happening like it's so it's so Uh... funny because he's like somebody threw a daddy hat like a a bucket hat that said daddy on it onto the stage and then he was seen getting off of a plane in australia holding the daddy hat 
Like, oh my god. <laughs> and then also these fans made shirts of the photo of Harry wearing the One Direction shirt and they tagged Polly and Lloyd on TikTok and Polly commented and he goes, I need three of those two in a medium and one in a large. And then Lloyd messaged, who's Harry's photographer, messaged the girls and we're like, let me know where you are online. I'll come meet you to get the shirts. And then he posted on his Instagram story, like, shirts acquired. And the girls were posting on TikTok, like, who the fuck is the third shirt for? Why is it a large? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, it's because Harry wants a shirt. Like, I just, like, am waiting. Like, do you remember those memes of, like, I think it was Ryan Gosling wearing a shirt of, like, Macaulay Culkin or yes. something? Yes, And, and then yeah. it was, like, an infinite loop going. of that. Yes. I want there to be an infinite loop of Harry wearing that shirt and then, <laughs> like, it just He should, like... well, really, he should wear one of the fans wearing the shirt. <laughs> that would be so funny. Then it would be an infinite loop. That would be hilarious. Also, I saw that. He got that, the 2012 One Direction shirt. I remember that very vividly because I had a poster version of that graphic. That's so funny. But I saw that a fan threw that shirt on stage. Yeah. That's how he got it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like true fangirl nonsense this week. And then in other celebrity nonsense, Avril Lavigne and Tyga are a thing. This comes like one week after she announced their her disengagement with Modson, who didn't know that they weren't engaged anymore <laughs> which also might be his attempt at gaslighting but just like doing a bad job at it it's just so funny because i think i i can't remember if i said it on the podcast or not but when when the first photos of tyga and avril surfaced of them hugging i was like of course they're hanging out he's related to travi mccoy it's a pop punk reunion and then it's like no actually they're dating which is like very fucking funny when you look at the flow chart Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. First of all, they were spotted at some fashion week show also this week in like matching outfits. And then there was a photo of them kissing in public. But I was like, somebody needs to make a a chart of Avril Lavigne's celebrity connection history because I'm sure it would be expansive and eye opening and profound. (laughs) And I was like, I will do this. But let me tell you, the, the TikTok world has taken on this task for me. I no longer need to complete this mission. And this is the best gift ever. But the TikTok, the TikTok flowchart that was made is essentially just showing how it's fucking weird, how tied in with the Kardashian Jenner's Avril is. True. If you expand They did not have Chad Avril Kroger Levine, on there. Yeah. They did not have or, Melissa or, on there. Or, or Derek Whitby, who her first ex-husband from some 41. And I'm like, this is, I'm like, the Avril Lavigne is like so ex- expansive. If I have time, maybe I'll make a graphic The Avril Lavigne Cinematic Universe. <laughs> yeah, the Avril Lavigne Cinematic Universe. <laughs> but like the incestuousness with between Avril Lavigne and the Kardashian-Jenner <laughs> sisterhood is disgusting. It's gross. Uh, we'll link we'll link the TikTok in the show notes if you guys want to check it out. But the short version of this is that Kylie and Tyga used to be in a relationship, and Avril and Brody used to be in a relationship, and Brody and Kylie are siblings. So there's the short, short, short version of it. But getting into some more serious news of the week. Okay, we're not going to talk about Hailey Bieber for another whole episode, you guys. We already have two episodes doing that. Go listen to the past two episodes if you want to hear our takes. However, you know, I kind of felt like maybe after that last episode, we were, like, defending Hailey Bieber, like, a little too much. 
But then go on Twitter. See, I see a concert video. Justin Bieber made an appearance at Rolling Loud uh, with an artist, Don Tolliver, who was performing. And people in the crowd were chanting, fuck Hailey Bieber. Number one, I think that's crossing lines. I think that's going too far. Number two, the other thing that came up is a fan account made a Twitter thread of brands that participated in this Hailey Bieber nonsense. Basically the Hailey Bieber hate campaign, really. It was brands like Victoria's Secret and Duolingo, which like is an app for learning languages, like doesn't need to be involved in this at all. And it really just paints a larger picture of these like anti-woman hate campaigns when it's like there are actual like vile humans in the world who exist who Mm -hmm. maybe deserve some more hatred than someone like Hailey Bieber. Yeah. It's all fun and games when brands and companies are playing along with legitimate trends on social media. So they're playing along with like trending sounds or... Like, I don't know, like trending recipes or whatever. Like, those aren't harmful. But, like, trending celebrity gossip and trending celebrity smear campaigns for somebody who's, like, just a bully is ridiculous. Like, we're, again, not sitting here being like, we love Hailey Bieber. Hailey Bieber can do no wrong. Like, I'm sure Hailey Bieber would have bullied me in high school. Like, let me get, like, let's get this straight. But it is just really frustrating watching how accepting so many people are of smear campaigns against women who we just don't like because of one dumb reason or another. And also, like, when there's been so many cases of, like, internet bullying leading to suicide or depression or whatever and like selena gomez has even talked about how her mental health has been negatively affected by people being mean to her online but like selena gomez cannot come out and tell people to leave Hailey bieber alone because that would turn into an even bigger can of worms so like there is absolutely nothing anybody can really do in this scenario without it becoming worse And it's insane to me that we're on week three of still having to acknowledge this. And it's just, it's just so disheartening and so frustrating because once again, it's like misogyny is winning at the end of the day and people cannot seem to wrap their heads around the fact that like, it's unacceptable to just like completely try and tear down a woman's confidence and respect in herself and like, belief in her relationship like i i was telling jenna that i saw this video of justin and Haley like making out at one of his like birthday celebration things and like there are just so many phones up like filming them and justin is so clearly uncomfortable where like he literally has his eyes open and is like looking around the room (laughs) and people are being like see he's so disinterested in her and it's like i'm sorry we already talked about how like it's completely plausible that this is an arranged marriage but like there is no like i don't think that he he doesn't hate her like that's just ridiculous to, to even say and it's like yeah it's completely plausible that he's like still in love with selena gomez like there's still a candle burning there whatever he did like marry Haley like two or three months after he like cut things off with selena but like selena and justin also were like very much trauma bonded like yeah they literally got caught buying meth together in la and then went on a bike ride publicity photo op to cover up for it (laughs) yeah like like those two have been through a lot together and i think i don't know it's it's just it's just so frustrating 
seeing these things and like jenna said it's like there's so many other people that like these brands if they're going to be commentating on celebrity gossip like why not try and cancel chris brown like why not take down a literal villain in hollywood and instead you're just like (laughs) Hailey bieber fuck her it's like okay like how is everybody going to feel if this like genuinely affects this girl the thing is that we're kind of seeing this pattern time and time again of like someone a woman who becomes a villain becomes an unlikable woman are stereotyped into this cast typed into this and once this happens that's who they are forever and this is just an easy target to pick on and i actually found a really great twitter thread about this from caroline orbueno who's a phd and behavioral scientist at university of maryland and this entire twitter thread was about Meghan markle but you could copy and paste it onto Hailey Bieber. So Caroline writes, the trope of the unlikable woman is used to activate the normative structures and practices aim at limiting women's participation in public spaces, including those online. In this case, the unlikable woman trope was grafted onto a cultural slash media flashpoint to create toxic online fandom that pits women against each other to our own demise. Hello, is this not exactly describing yeah. Haley Bieber's like Selena Gomez situation? So she goes on to say that this uses a lot of the tactics that we saw in Gamergate. And if you guys remember, we did a big long episode with Asia Romano about Gamergate and the Depp Heard case and what happened there. And so a lot of these tactics are still being used. It's mostly about weaponizing cultural events to abuse and silence women. So Caroline continues on to say, If you tell women, quote, we're going to systematically target women until you can't exist online, it doesn't work. But if you tell women, quote, that specific unlikable woman deserves it and you can avoid our hostility for now if you join us in abusing her, it works every time. Mm. And she's referencing this in reference to men who hate women. If you join us in bullying Haley Bieber, we will not bully you. It's just really frustrating and it just feels very like high school like our brains aren't fully formed yet we don't understand that we shouldn't be hating on women vibes to me i mean in the reference of high school vibes and it's kind of giving pick me girl it's giving good girl versus bad girl caroline does reference that in her twitter thread and says that there's a dichotomy creating justifying abusing bad girls who are deemed unworthy of basic respect and dignity in order to make other women feel okay it's just been very disheartening seeing so many women on tiktok on twitter even honestly in instagram stories being like i always knew Haley bieber was a villain or like ew i hate her like all this stuff and it's like you literally still have your chrome nails on like what are you talking like you literally like four months ago were like copying every trend Haley bieber did it's just so insufferable how there's like a new woman every other month that everybody is dogpiling onto and hating and attacking and it's for no reason yeah or like no reason or, or like the reason is like so minimal where it's like yeah she's not the best person in the world yeah she's like unlikable to a certain extent but that doesn't mean that we have to like bully her to this level where like it's affecting her relationship and like we're literally seeing that happen in real time it's just repeating the same things that we've been talking about on this podcast for a long time that have been happening in history for a long time and caroline kind of made this point like within her twitter thread but it's not even about Haley bieber it's not even about Meghan Markle this is just the the headline for like 
people who are hiding as misogynists yeah. in the world. It's giving women who have a lot of internalized misogyny who are trying to like act as if they don't an excuse to lean in on into it and be like, well, it's fine that I'm doing this because everybody's doing it. And it's giving a lot of men an excuse to be mean to women. And it's just really insufferable and frustrating and like crazy because I mean, even like our end of the year episode, when we, we talked about how it was kind of like this year of like, hating women for no reason and that was like a common thread and to see like that common thread continuing even though like we should have learned from last year about like all these women being attacked for like the dumbest reasons and i mean in seeing that same pattern occurring there was a lot of clips going viral on tiktok from cole sprouse's interview on the call her daddy podcast and Cole Sprouse is interesting because he is an quote-unquote introspective intellectual who, like, went to NYU, thinks he's, like, bigger than his britches, definitely has, like, four copies of Infinite Jest in his apartment so that people know that he's read it, like, no matter what room they're in. And, like, definitely also, like, in arguments with people will be like, but I'm a feminist, so it doesn't matter. And yet he sat there and was, like, very much being misogynistic and I don't even think that he was aware of the fact that he was being misogynistic in the way that he was talking about the women in his life from his mother to his like ex-girlfriends and it was just so jarring watching him speak in this like Maddie Healy on crack kind of language where he was just using big words to like act as if he was smarter than everyone in the room and like just talking down about women constantly and like the the first clip that i saw was that alex who's the host from call her daddy was like asking him something along the lines about have you been have you been cheated on in relationships and he was like every single one of them and she was like oh my god and he was like yeah it was emotional cheating which basically just means that like he was i mean for those of you who don't know the allegations are about around cole sprouse is that cole sprouse is very much in egomaniac of a man who talks down to the women that he dates and very much so is emotionally abusive again all alleged because i've never been in a relationship with him but, but there are a lot of rumors there's, there's like a, a lot, lot of rumors first hand second stories a lot of people on tiktok have been coming out talking specifically about this like it's like it's like how everyone knows that timothy chalamet gave half of new york city chlamydia it's <laughs> yeah. like everyone knows cole sprouse is like not a good dude yeah and i mean one of his ex-girlfriends like essentially documented it on her tumblr account about like how he was emotionally abusive i also saw a twitter thread that was saying that a lot of the women he's dated are bisexual and have like said that and like yeah. lily reinhardt has said that lily reinhardt is bisexual okay and they said that also his ex-girlfriend who was on who was like tumblr famous was also bisexual and so that there was an air of that fetishization going on and that the Twitter user was like surmising that the cheating was like them talking to like other girls. Again, don't have mm. any facts here. Alleged. I mean, it, it, but it, like I th when it comes to things like this, it's all, it is going to be a lot of rumors and hearsay and like alleged behavior, whatever the case is. But I just think that it's interesting of the common thread of it's all the women's fault. Even yeah. when he was like talking about his mom and his mom falling into like addiction through the money that he and his brother made as like young kids in acting 
and just like the way he kind of talked about how like she was beautiful and like they don't speak anymore and like all this stuff and he kind of was like the way he talked about his mom made me very uncomfortable i'm just gonna put it at that it was just very weird because it's like obviously i don't know that much about their relationship like i I don't pay that much attention to the sprouse twins i don't know if you've spoken about his mother before in the past or whatever the case is and obviously like having a parent with an addiction issue who like used your hard-earned money to like feed that addiction issue like that's going to cause a lot of issues within yourself it felt very much like he was trying to like talk about everything as if he was like one of those obnoxious male authors from like the 60s or 70s like it felt like he was self-righteous about everything yeah and it just felt like i was reading catcher in the rye like listening to him talk i was like okay hold in yeah (laughs) He felt very, like, explaining everything as if it were truth and the only truth. And, yeah. like, talking at a talking about it as a, at a place of, like, objectivity, which is obviously not true because that's your own personal experiences. So you can never be objective to your own personal experiences. Yeah. It's just weird listening to somebody who clearly thinks that they respect women talking about women with absolutely zero respect. I think also, I mean, the big thing that got a lot of people worked up was... Alex Cooper, who's the host of Call Her Daddy, asked specifically about his relationship with Lily Reinhardt. And it's like, why is he even doing a press circuit right now? Like, why does he need to come on here and air out his personal side of whatever his take is on his business with Lily Reinhardt? Yeah. When it's like, she's like, it feels very much like he's trying to get ahead of the conversation and the narrative and make her the villain. Well, I mean, Riverdale's ending. Lily has been doing a lot of interesting projects and has been working on producing stuff. And I don't know if Cole has anything in the works. So I think it could just be him trying to stay relevant while his brother's getting back into acting and his ex-girlfriend is like succeeding and i mean like the word around town has always been that cole is the type of guy who thinks he's invented every hobby that he ever has and that like he does photography on the side and like i know a couple people who have come into contact with him who are photographers and cole is like well i invented photography is like the vibe that he has which is very funny to me it was just like weird also because like the initial statement when cole and lily's relationship ended was that like hurt people hurt people sort of thing but we ended mutually and lily was kind of like mutually in what world and then there was like no other comments being said and i think that they did that in order to like remain as civil as possible while having to continue to be on a show together yeah but it felt very much like it very much affected lily in a stronger more negative way than like the statement was making it sound like it did Mm. but uh, on top of all of that like the the misogyny and the like i don't respect women really shown through the most when he talked about his (laughs) losing his virginity story (laughs) okay this was funny no the reason this is funny is because that (laughs) Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
the person that he lost his virginity to has aired her side of the story on TikTok. And I'm like, this is the tea we want. Like, also, no one's getting hurt in this story. Also, I'm obsessed with the fact where it's like, is she? We'll never know if that's actually the girl he lost his virginity to, but the story's good, and I'm going with it being factual. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, I literally could have signed on TikTok, like, as soon as that came out, and be like, it was me, and made, like, made up a story. People would have believed it. <laughs> like, like, I could have just been like, okay, why not? So, I mean... <laughs> There's an air of questioning, but Cole Sprouse was like, yeah, I lost my virginity to a to an older woman while on vacation in Disney. And I literally was just like, are you DTF? And <laughs> and I had to kick my brother and our friend out of our hotel room so I could have sex with this girl. And it lasted like three seconds. And he was like, but I did it. And she was like. My mom was was telling me to go woo him, <laughs> and I was also a month younger than him. <laughs> no, she said one month older. Oh, whatever. A they were like older. they were both a much like fifteen. Older woman. A much they were older both fifteen, woman. and she was like one month old. She said she said if this is if this is the girl, she says she's one month older than him. And honestly, her side of the story was pretty funny and amusing. And it's just that they ran into each other or she she saw them out and around Disney World and her mom told her to go take a photo with them. And then like she ran into them again at like the Disney World Resorts pool. And her mom was like, you should go talk to him. And like her sister like dressed her up in some of her, <laughs> her older sister dressed her up in some of her older sister clothes. And then they like got each other's number and then he was going to, like, text her the next day. And she, my favorite part of the story was, like, how she was like, remember, this is 2007 or 8. I'm from Canada. If I turn on my cell phone data, I'm going to get charged, like, $100. But you know what? I'm like, sorry, mom and dad. I don't care. I need to find out if Cole Sprouse is going to text me. So she turned on her cell phone data. And I'm like, that is the most 2007, like, memory unlocked ever. Like, we don't have to worry about that anymore. But I also love how she's like, he didn't text me, but he did find my hotel room. And yes. <laughs> Waved to me like, from the balcony. How did he know which room she was in? Oh my I god! Know, but it was so funny, and I was like, "Oh my god!" But it just was like, it was her version of the story was like so amusing and like so just like oh like two young people like just trying to get something over with whatever, and his was just like this older woman. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Cole, you have no respect for women at all. Yeah. And it's just like so ridiculous. Uh, but at least we got something amusing out of it. Yeah. I was like, thank you for this gift because everything else was like red flag alert. My favorite thing out of the whole Coast Browse thing has been watching the internet collectively come forward with their Coast Browse like being a New York menace yeah. stories because it's like the Timothy Chalamet being a New York menace was just that he gave a bunch of NYU freshmen chlamydia, which is like hilarious. But I mean, chlamydia out of all the STDs is like hard to detect in men. Like a man would have a hard time knowing that there was something wrong with him. <laughs> so like, okay. I just love that everyone figured out figured out it was him. Like this is so funny. Fair game, but just like Cole Sprouse being this like menace who's like I'm the only person to ever touch a camera or read Kafka or like whatever he was doing in New York, and also just like 
being an all-around jerk and meanwhile dylan was out here like starting a brewery and like giving all of his classmates jobs <laughs> god we could have a little laugh during this episode this... before we get into this very upsetting news <laughs> things are things are going to get very serious now so we had to have lots of giggles before this and i just need to give like a trigger warning sort of thing where we are using a pop culture moment to kind of like umbrella off into some very jarring political stuff that's happening in america and we're going to be very cautious when talking about this because I don't want to get into like fear mongering behavior and discussing patterns that we're seeing occurring when it comes to like the whole evangelical Christianization of America. Cause we have discussed this before on the podcast about how like Jenna and I keep realizing about like the collective religious trauma we have just like from living in America and America, like, trying to force itself into being a Christian country when, like, the whole point of America is that, like, it came to be for a religious freedom. That's such a joke. It's such a joke. Like, it's actually, such a joke. as a side note, Sarah, I don't, can't remember if we discussed this before, but did you ever experience any Christian holidays or mentions of God or anything in the schools you were growing up in? Like, in school, from teachers I mean, or from curriculum. We had to say the pledge, but I never said the pledge because my best friend in elementary school was Native American, and he didn't say the pledge, so I didn't say the pledge. I didn't know why, but I just sat down with him and didn't do it. Did you have, like, a Christmas tree in your school at all? Why would we have a Christmas tree in school? Do you have a Christmas tree in your school? Yes, because I grew up in Texas. I mean, uh, to be fair, I grew up in a very <laughs> Jewish town, yeah, but, like, we I think we've ha- mentioned we did, this. We didn't have like any religious iconography anywhere in the school. Like that would be like not acceptable. I just remember one time there was a Christmas tree in our like school cafeteria. And then of course, like holiday time is always a little bit Christmassy. Like, oh, for science class, instead of because we already did our exams, now we're just going to watch some PG holiday movies, which means we're watching Elf, which is about Christmas. I was just thinking about this, how about how like if you're not Christian... Like if you're and not even anything, anything under the Christian umbrella, if you if you're Jewish, Muslim, like whatever it is, like your religion is virtually not recognized at all I think in schools or it, by the general public, mostly by white the, people. I think that the closest thing that we had to like acknowledging religion in my school was that there was like an option for kosher lunches. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, that was it. Like, I really, I don't think that we did, like, yeah, we didn't do any, like, religious plays or, like, do any, we didn't sing any, like, holiday songs in, like, our chorus classes or anything like that. What I'm getting at is I feel like the automatic, like, you just said, like, America was supposedly founded on religious freedom, even though there were white Anglo-Saxon Protestants who fled from England. It's supposed to be founded on religious freedom, and yet the default of America is white Christian. Well, That's I remember, the default. Yeah, I remember that when I went to Drexel, I was very uncomfortable, and it was very jarring how literally even before Thanksgiving, 
they were playing Christmas music in the dining hall and there was like people setting up Christmas decorations around this universe. Like it was like not a religious school. It was just like a university. Yeah. Like, and I was like, why is this happening? And I had never experienced that in my whole life. And it was very weird. And growing up somewhere that was very Jewish, it was like, I was very lucky in that regard and that like, I was never in fear of being Jewish. I was never in fear of like talking about my religion, but also I had friends who were of other religions and like nobody ever felt like being Jewish was being shoved down their throat or anything like that, you know? But I think that that's also where things are different and that Judaism is like a closed religion and like you have to want to be Jewish to become Jewish. Like you can't Mm. just like bring someone to temple and then they're Jewish. Like you have to like study Hebrew and the, and the Torah and like go to like Hebrew school essentially and like be like convert into Judaism Whereas, like, Christianity is very much, like, at the core of it, it's, like, a recruitment. Recruitment, yeah. Like, focused religion. Which which is very obvious by way of colonialism and the amount of... What what is the word I'm even looking for? Like... uh, for lack of better words, religious recruitment that happens in throughout historical time periods of like people all over well, the I mean, world like, being converted to Catholic, like even Catholicism. It's, yeah. It's mission trips lo- before mission trips yeah, existed. Yeah, like yeah. that's literally what it is. Um, sorry, not to derail the conversation too much, but I thought it might be interesting for some personal context of what we recall growing up. No, I mean, I think that's really necessary. And I mean, and speaking of being taught to recruit, this is this is why the conversation is essentially happening, because Jenna and I have been going back and forth about discussing Joshua Bassett and what's been going on with him for weeks, because it feels like a very confusing subject to discuss and something that like there's not that much information about. And there's a lot of kind of like crossed wires in regards to things that he has and hasn't said and that like a lot of fans say that he's talked about like religious trauma and that he's talked about like separating himself from his religious family and yet we couldn't find any of those quotes when we were looking for stuff online and I mean for some background for those of you who might not be aware Joshua Bassett is on the Disney Channel show High School Musical the musical the series he stars opposite Olivia Rodrigo he was who driver's license was about we've talked about him in past episodes discussing how during the whole driver's license thing he suffered from heart failure and like had to go to the hospital and he's had a lot of issues in regards to just like his mental health and there was also this thing where in an interview he like accidentally came out by like acknowledging that he would date harry styles and then like fully came out as queer and then talked about his queerness and all that stuff. And then he essentially went home for Christmas and appears back in the media with a video of him vowing his life and soul to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, at a church that very much is anti-LGBTQ+. And is known for conversion therapy. And so fans were kind of losing their shit over the fact that this church is bad news bears and also the fact that it's very weird that he went home and was around his family and now he's back to being very religious and i mean he did come out and be like i didn't know that that church did this i think it's a bit insane and so does most of the internet that he would essentially become a born-again christian and like (laughs) or like 
I don't even know what I don't know how this works but just like reconfirm his like belief in Jesus publicly at a church and let that church use his image and the video without researching the church like that's just insane to me and seems kind of like a convenient I didn't know whoopsies like Justin Bieber being like Hillsong is really welcoming when it's really yeah I mean, Hillsong did a good job at, like, hiding the fact that they weren't welcoming, whereas this church, it was very clear that they are not welcoming to a lot of people. But most recently, he, at the Teen Choice Awards, he won the Teen Choice Award for Favorite Male TV Star. And after he thanked, like, his co-stars and the crew of the show, he goes, I'd love to thank my savior, Jesus Christ. I want to say something. There are a lot of people here who are burdened, brokenhearted, and have been beaten down by life. I'm here to tell you, for those of you who've lost hope, there's a very real God who loves you more than you will ever possibly know. His promise is peace and my testimony is healing. Which, like, honestly, if that's what he's getting out of religion, like, I'm happy for him. Like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with religion. Like, I feel like I sound like a religion hater. I'm not a religion hater. I'm a hater of, like, religion trying to be the only, like, one religion trying to be the only religion that exists and, like... And trying to be the law. And, like, and yeah, and trying to, like, control other people that have nothing to do with it. And when he was leaving the stage, he concluded his speech by saying, remember, forgive quickly, love freely, and walk courageously. Love always wins in the end. Which, like feels more like the Joshua Bassett that we got to know before he like converted back to being a religious man. But I think that it's very, and like, this is very much my personal opinion, but I think that it's very borderline dangerous for somebody who has a primarily young fan base based off of the TV show that he was in, which therefore young equals impressionable. These fans are going to cling on to every word that he says and it's like yes i'm very aware based off of tiktok and twitter that he has a large fan base of people who are already set in their ways in regards to like nothing is going to sway them away from like not wanting to be part of the church and like not thinking that this is questionable and all that stuff but there always is and this is the thing that another thing that jenna and i acknowledge quite a lot is like there's a bunch of people who just like aren't very online who might not even have access to a lot of the internet because a lot of America doesn't have internet, which is like a very jarring thing to know and might be in a similar boat to Joshua in that like they could be like a teenager living at home with religious parents. They could be questioning their sexuality while their parents are like, well, maybe don't do that. Their parents might not be like accepting of queerness or like they might try to be, but also be like, maybe let's go to church more and think about this. And so it's like, if they went from watching him be like comfortable and confident doing interviews, talking about his queerness and how he's okay with it and all that to now proselytizing the word of Jesus Christ and like having done it through a church that doesn't believe in queerness it very much feels like a dangerous direction that we're moving in and that like when famous people are like literally actively recruiting on national television for their religion where they're like if you're lost 
Jesus Christ is there for you. The one real God. My real God. Like, that's just, like, jarring words to be, like, there's a very yeah. real God who loves you after being, like, my yeah. savior, Jesus Christ. When you have an impressionable fan base, and I just feel like it's insane to not think about that as a public figure. Because there are so many celebrities who do go to church and don't really talk about their religion because unfortunately Christianity has gotten a really bad rap because of like extremist Christians, like evangelical Christians, conservatives in the American political system. And so a lot of celebrities don't talk about their religion because they don't want to be tied to the idea of what most people who like aren't religious or are of other religions think of when they think of Christianity. Yeah, I mean, my issue is less. I mean, I think it is weird to see a celebrity say those types of things on TV because it's also like if this was a religion that was not Christian, there would be a different kind of backlash happening right now. Could you just imagine if he was on that stage and he was like, praise Allah? Like, if he literally... There would be outrage. Oh, my God. People would be like, oh, bombs in the area. Like, because people are just, like, so... Just, like, they just don't understand any other religion. And when I say people, I just mean, like, the general Christian... I don't even know. I don't don't want... I I don't want to, like clump people together like that's the farthest thing from what i want to do because i know that there are a bunch of people who like believe in the actual just like christian values of like love thy neighbor like respect people all that stuff like not every person who believes in christianity is a bad person but there is enough of it and the parts of it that we have to see and deal with every single day is so dangerous in regards to like anybody who's not a cis white person that's scary Well, yeah, I mean, going off of that is that my issue is less that he's sharing his Christian belief and more so that Christianity has become so publicly synonymous with the conservative party. And the conservative party is essentially weaponizing Christianity and using Christianity as a scapegoat to saying the Bible says you can't have gay people the bible says you can't have trans people the bible says this the bible says this and it's like that is like one person's interpretation of the bible that like has just been projected onto the masses and a lot of it is fear-mongering a lot of conservative tactics use fear-mongering to other minorities and make predominantly white christians want to keep their power and this is a crazy thing is that it's like conservatism and christianity are so closely intertwined that mm-hmm. we can't really talk about one without talking about the other. And if we're talking about rural American people and rural American voters, the conservative party panders to them and caters yeah. to them and is using those fear-mongering tactics on them to gain their vote when it's like the conservative party isn't really doing that much to help general America, rural America. And so it's more so like seeing a pop culture figure like this on a stage with a platform with people who have been following from for a long time it starts to feel a little bit scary a little bit icky because of all of the political context that's going on right now yeah exactly and that's why like i said at the beginning it's like joshua bassett is not the villain here we're using Joshua Bassett and this example as like a vehicle to talk about something bigger that is going on right now and how, again, it's something that's occurring in pop culture and a theme that we have seen like when Justin Bieber and Hillsong and like Chris Pat and Hillsong and like these 
celebrities who go from being very popular and like we, people aren't aware of their religious beliefs and they don't talk about their religious beliefs and then all of a sudden they start talking a lot about their religious beliefs and you're like okay that's kind of weird and then you look into the church that they're a part of and you're like that church hates a lot of people who like support you and yet you're not acknowledging that hatred and so that's where there's like this line where it's like pop culture starts seeping into normal culture starts seeping into politics and then things start to get really wishy-washy and uncomfortable because we are seeing rights being taken away from (laughs) women reproductive rights being taken away from women rights of trans people being taken away across the nation tennessee is currently trying to pass into law a bill that will get rid of equal marriage and that includes interracial marriage and gay marriage and that's probably going to go to the supreme court and be debated and right now we have a 6-3 conservative majority u.s supreme court which means a lot of things like equal marriage like gay marriage being legalized in america are going to be challenged by the supreme court because of these states that are introducing these bills yeah and i mean for those of you who might not remember or recall like after roe v wade got overturned one of the supreme court justices was like i think we should look at loving versus virginia which is literally the case that made interracial marriage legal and it's like why should we be looking at that Like, are you joking? And it's like, this could also literally, like, this Tennessee case could also lead to interfaith marriages not being legal. It's so, oh my God. And it's it's just, it's so scary when all of this is happening and we're seeing pop culture figures when like pop culture figures are who a lot of people because a lot of there are a lot of people who are just like politics aren't for me like i don't want to be involved in politics and yet they'll pay attention to like pop culture news or whatever because it's like easy stuff to read when it like pops up on their phone or on twitter or whatever the case is and so like when religion is seeping in and therefore religious politics is seeping into people's every day just like scrolling even if they are trying to quote unquote avoid politics, it's like, that's how they start to get you. And it starts to lead into you, like people being like accidentally becoming more conservative because they're like, oh, this pop culture person I like is into this and I'm Christian and like, what's going on here? And so it's just like a pattern that can occur where, again, the thing that we have been trying to discuss on the podcast lately is like how pop culture is affecting general culture and this is like one of those things where like we're just seeing we're seeing patterns occur where like leading up to donald trump becoming president and america seemed like it was moving in a positive direction we had our first black president who got elected for a second term we legalized gay marriage like things seem to be going positive but when things are going positive and people who aren't super politically active are just like well the world's obviously getting better start not paying attention that's when the villains start working double time in the background and the villains i'm referring to are the conservative party but they're like working in the background trying to figure out how to take away all the forward momentum that we've been making doing so in order to maintain their status and their power exactly and i mean like i'm sure most of us have seen those tiktoks where there's like this obsession with a lot of white christians in america of 
them kind of living out this like when Christians are the minority and like them being treated horribly and they just have this like victim complex that like maybe it's just karma (laughs) that we've seen a lot in TikTok videos and this was going around a lot I think in 2020 when the vaccine was being forced on people of them being like oh like this is what's gonna happen to like conservative christians in america and like just this very like victimhood idea and their their fear of like becoming a minority in america is clearly so strong and it's just really interesting because when you look up like if you google like what percentage of americans believe that abortion is a right what percentage of americans believe that women should have access to birth control like what percentage of americans believe that same-sex marriage is like not a big deal it's like 70 percent of americans are like please just let people do what they want so i i googled because we're like specifically talking right now because joshua bassett has like discussed that he is queer and that all these lgbtq bills are being passed i googled like what's the percentage of americans that are okay with Uh, same-sex marriage and so there's this site called Gallup which every single year they poll Americans to find out how people are feeling and so I have results from 2021 and 2022 and in 2021 70 percent of people in America supported same-sex marriage and that is up from like 1996 when Gallup first asked this question and only 27% of Americans supported the legalization of gay and lesbian marriages. And by 2015, the support for gay marriage had reached 60% of Americans supporting same-sex marriage to be legalized. And in this article for like the 2021 survey, it said that Republicans who have consistently been the party group least in favor of same-sex marriage show majority support in 2021 for the first time. So 55% of people who have like put down that they vote Republican were like same-sex marriage is fine. And then in 2022 survey... It went up to 71% of Americans believe that same-sex marriage should be legal. So it's like, who are these conservatives even doing this for? Like, why are they fighting for a minority amount of people in this country? Okay, to bring Matt Healy into it, (laughs) follow me for a second. In his interview with Zane Lowe, he Mm -hmm. said, no one who wants to be a politician should be able to be a politician. In the sense of people who want to be politicians often don't have best interests at heart. They often want power and control. They often don't care about the rights they're fighting for. And so to me, looking at these stats shows that the politicians who are trying to pass these extremely conservative bills represent a fringe amount of Americans and are not listening to the... what. If you guys aren't from America, or if you need a refresher, politicians are supposed to represent their constituents, which means the people in that area of land that they're supposed to represent. The constituents, us, the voters, are supposed to voice how we feel and call the office and write notes and whatever emails, make our voices heard. And there, as the the politicians, they're supposed to listen to us and then represent us in the political system. However, what Sarah's point is, is that's not what they're doing. They're representing a fringe group of people and it feels like they don't care what most Americans want. 
they care what they want and they care what the people that are lobbying and paying them money want. And that's how this whole system has always worked. And that's why it's really messed up. And a lot of Americans are really frustrated with it. Literally. And I mean, in the 2022 Gallup survey and the article about it, Justin McCarthy writes that Americans who report that they attend church weekly remain the primary demographic holdout against gay marriage. But 40% are in favor of gay marriage being legalized. Mm, it's like 40% of these like religious people who go to church all the time are like, we, we're we fine with this. Like, what's the problem? And so like Jenna said, it's just like these men in, and it's not even men, but it's just like these white people in politics just want to have power over people. And like, it's mostly men who seemingly want to have power over people that they feel like they should be viewed as like higher than or like better than or whatever meaning like they're trying to control women they're trying to control lgbtq plus people and they don't like when people have full control of themselves and aren't cis straight white men and it's oh it's just so gross and degrading and frustrating watching this happen when it's like they literally don't have the majority of people's best interests at heart and yeah. it's so scary i think we had talked about this a few episodes ago when we were talking about, I think it was a Sam Smith episode, again, using that as an example of the amount of bills that are being tracked right now as far as anti-LGBTQ matters yeah. uh, has risen significantly. And the thing is, a lot of these bills they know aren't going to be passed, but the bills are so extreme that it's like if this bill gets shot down then they can come back with something that's like slightly less bad yeah. and it will get passed because it's not as bad as the really bad one. So that's the like the scary thing in all of this. And what we've kind of been talking around without like putting an actual definition to it is pretty much just Christian nationalism. And we do have a definition here. I'm just going to read it for you guys. This comes from AmericanProgress.org in an article by Guthrie Graves Fitzsimmons in April of last year, talking about why Christian nationalism is the single biggest threat to America's religious freedom. Guthrie writes that Christian nationalism is a contributing ideology in the religious rights misuse of religious liberty as a rationale for circumventing laws and relegations aimed at protecting a pluralistic democracy, such as non-discrimination protections for LGBTQIA+, women and religious minorities. So essentially everything we've just been describing, Christian nationalism is using Christianity as a way to scapegoat and like say, look, here's why we're doing this to try and police minorities and these issues, Guthrie writes, these issues will only draw more attention in years ahead since the 6-3 conservative majority party on the U.S. Supreme Court appears eager to hear more religious liberty cases advancing Christian nationalist arguments than in past years. So again, the issue is they're coming out with these really extreme bills that are so unhinged that are not going to get passed, but they might go up to court. They might go to the U.S. Supreme Court, and that's going to make them look at things like Roe v. Wade. That's going to make them look at things like equal marriage. Inter interracial marriage, all of these things. And so this is why, again, it's like very worrisome when people who might not be thinking politically and have large followings when it comes to being like a pop culture figure are speaking so liberally about how following in the name of Christ is like the most important thing to them in their lives. Because while they might not be falling down a conservative rabbit hole and they just might be like, obsessed with christianity or whatever sorry i'm like 
I like can't fucking deal with this. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm being a bit of an ass and I do apologize, but they're just not thinking in regards to like the bigger picture is what it feels like and that's what's so frustrating about it is because there is a bigger picture here and this is where it gets into this thing of like I don't want to be fear-mongering and I feel like personally I've seen a lot of people discussing stuff where like they're not fear-mongering they're warning and it's important to be warning about what is going on here and like how it's kind of history repeating itself in certain patterns that are occurring now that also were happening in Germany prior to the rise of the Nazi party and again as a Jewish person it has been jarring how many times my mom has had to text me to be like there's another warning that people might be like going after Jews today when like most of my adult life my mom was not warning me to like avoid Jewish bakeries or like going to temple or like going to certain neighborhoods because some white supremacist group that's been spurred on by an ex-president are planning to like attack jews potentially and so like things have been very scary lately and it's been very jarring and like hard to be on the internet a lot of the time because i'm seeing so much conversation about parallels that are happening because again it's like these christian nationalists these like evangelical christians the conservative party as a whole have been like rising in the ranks have been getting more seats within the political power system they've been feeling more brazen they've been feeling like their voices deserve to be heard more especially with all of these laws that they're trying to pass i mean my parents live in virginia right now virginia is very much like a purple state that has a conservative governor and from what i can tell that person became governor because the two democrats that were governor beforehand they just kept taking turns being governor and virginians were sick of the democrat who is up next and so the republican guy sort of ran on a middle ground ballot and now that he's in office is like actually i was a conservative this whole time fuckers yeah and there were videos of him talking about how like oh we should have gender neutral bathrooms but also unequivocally if you were born a boy you should not be playing on girls sports teams because that's just not fair And, like, it's just all of this, like, ridiculous language where, like, he's still trying to trick people into thinking that, like, he's okay when he's, like, really not okay. And so it's just, like, these bad actors building up followers in the background, which we did see a tweet about the fact that, like, this was a similar thing that was happening in Germany leading up to the rise of the Nazis. And this tweet was from Kendra Pierre Lewis, who's a climate reporter. Uh, She's written for publications like Popular Science and Gimlet Media. And she tweeted, I think a lot about the top New York Times editor who I told that historians were warning we're in a period similar to the ramp up to the Holocaust. And maybe we could look back and see what New York Times had done to not repeat mistakes. And he shrugged. New York Times didn't really cover the Holocaust. And I mean... Most Jewish people probably know this, but for those of you who aren't Jewish and might not be aware, during the ramp up of World War II, America was not really accepting Jewish refugees into the country. The Anne Frank's family was actually turned back to Europe 
from America. They came to, like, escape Jewish religious persecution. And there were a lot of Jewish families that were turned back at the border, essentially. And, yeah, America just didn't really do that much to help until it was too late, which is great and amazing. But so I looked up, like, I was like, what was going on in in Germany prior to this? Because, like, I'm going to be honest... I don't I didn't know much about this. And there was this really interesting article on the Smithsonian Magazine's website kind of talking about the Weimar Republic, which was the party that existed prior to the Nazi party in Germany. And they were an experimental government that lasted for 14 years leading up to World War II. And they were essentially a democracy. But the interesting things that I saw in this article, as well as an article on News Talk, were that in Germany at this time when the Weimar Republic was in charge of the politics, basically, like, there were a lot of progressive platforms that were existing during this time prior to the Nazi party's reign, which were like, they were focusing on women's suffrage and they were having a lot of discussions about sexuality and there were lots of incredible films coming out featuring gay and lesbian love stories and, like, Everything was just more comfortable. I mean, even like Nosferatu, which is like a very famous vampire movie that also came out from Germany during this time. Like there was a lot of incredible art coming out, a lot of forward thinking youths like living in Berlin and trying to kind of like change the philosophy of like the German Republic. It was like a very interesting time. And so in this News Talk article, the one thing that really stuck out to me is that it was saying how there was this group of people in Germany called the Bright Young Things who flocked to Berlin eager to like join this brave new world that was happening and they wrote that the nation's existing moral codes were challenged on mass while academia and the arts flourished in this avant-garde atmosphere and this soon saw the capital earn a reputation for decadence and excellence as its nightlife became increasingly raunchy while figures like Albert Einstein ensured the University of Berlin led the way in the sciences. These trends were aided by the increased tolerance towards Jews and other minority groups in Weimar, Germany. And so they were just like revolutionizing things. They decriminalized homosexual acts in 1929, but then very quickly after that was decriminalized, over in America, the stock market crashed. And following that, there was just like this period of like economic turmoil throughout the whole world. And that was really when like the Nazi party who was going forward on like this communist ideas came into power. And so it's again, just like very similar things are happening in America. Well, I mean, we've already seen this with Trump. I mean, like the storm, the Capitol January 6th, like literally told people to what, like I, here's the thing. Trump kind of an idiot. I hope that he's not going to get reelected. I kind of think he won't, but I think that some of his followers are a lot smarter than he is. And they're a yeah. lot better at mobilizing and communicating and doing collectivizing on the internet, communicating with each other. That's what's scary. And from what I'm getting out of this, like our society, American society, we've had a lot of progressive things happen in recent times. As far as even like, being more accepting of like understanding gender as a fluid thing like understanding and adapting to using different pronouns like understanding and adapting just to just to having trans people in our society period having a lot more 
show of like pride parades, pride festivals, drag queens. Obviously, this has, drag has been a huge dis- topic discussion, especially within the conservative party lately. And it feels like there's been a lot of progress, especially in the LGBTQ realm. And now conservatives are doubling down on this, saying, no, we don't want that. And I think the recession is an example of when things like that happen, financial conservatives come into play because it's like, oh shit, now we don't have a lot of money. And when financial conservatism comes into play, a lot of other conservative values come into play. So there is that, but what I'm seeing as a whole in this comparison, and like, I feel like a lot of people on TikTok are having these discussions, is it's not just the Jewish population that's like, it's not just Holocaust 2.0. It is an attack on minority groups across the board. A lot of those being women, a lot of those being LGBTQ, a lot of those being non-Christian people. And it's already, it's already happening. And like, these are, and this is the thing is like, and this is what's like, from my understanding, what happened with like Germany and the Holocaust and everything is like, it felt like baby steps and baby steps and baby steps. And then all of a sudden you look back in a year later, it's been like a hundred yards, not five baby steps. And that's what it very much feels like within the American political system right now. Yeah. It's it's like they, in, in Nazi Germany, it was like, they were seeing what they could get away with and what people would turn their heads to. And they're doing the same thing here. And I mean, like, obviously like the, what happened with the Jews in the Holocaust is like a huge focal point. But I mean, the Nazis came for disabled people. They came for gypsies. They came for like people of color. Like it wasn't just Jews who were getting sent to concentration camps. It was just like Jews were the main focus, but there were other people also. And it was literally like, if you were in a wheelchair, you were going to a concentration camp, like because you were disgusting and deplorable. And so this is what's so scary is it's like, they're trying to find the, quote unquote most acceptable target for most of americans that most of americans are going to be like well i don't know a trans person so i'm not going to get involved right now yeah and they're going to keep pushing their toe over the line and so the next thing we know like it's going to be really fucking scary and again like i don't like it makes me so uncomfortable to like even like with my whole chest be like it's next thing we know like it feels fear-mongering-y but i think that like it's really necessary to be like loudly like hey we're noticing this trend and we're noticing that there is being this unfortunate overlap into pop culture and when things start to be like pushing into pop culture where people are just like still just like well this isn't affecting me so it's fine for me to like yell about religion to my impressionable audience it's like why are people not paying attention to what's going on in politics right now that like they're not realizing how closely tied in the idea of Christianity is to this conservatism and like what they're trying to push forward and they're trying to do it in the name of Christianity when like a decent amount of Christians would be like that's not what Christianity is even about yeah yeah no I I completely agree it also just feels like even like all all the stuff that's happening against uh women's reproductive rights in Texas I just saw an article this week that a man a citizen, because this is the law in Texas now, any citizen can sue a woman or anyone who aids a woman in getting an abortion after six weeks of pregnancy. This is currently happening. Three women are being sued yeah, in relation to yeah. to this man whose ex-wife got an abortion because he, she was in an abusive relationship and they already have two kids. And so it's like, yes, trans people are very much under attack right now. But like women are very much under attack also. And I'm not trying Mm -hmm. to like equate these or make one worse than the other, but I'm just saying half the population of America are women or identify as women. And yet we're sitting here and letting these things pass by. And so it's like, how can we expect anyone to empathize 
with trans people and advocate for trans people when we can't even do it for women yeah yeah it's yeah it's just very jarring and like when you kind of live in like an echo chamber in a way where like you follow people who believe in what you believe in and you live in like a blue state like for me in new york it's like a very different situation and i think that like if i if my parents weren't in virginia and like jenna wasn't in texas it's like how aware would i be you know like because no matter how much i try and be up and paying attention to everything it's really hard to pay attention to everything and i can understand how things can get lost in the mix and things can be like well, it's not here, so why should I be worried? It's like, no, you fucking have to be worried because just because, like, certain states might be safe, like, other states aren't, and that's when things get dangerous, and it's just, like, I don't know. It's just terrifying and awful, and it felt really necessary to talk about and something that, like, we couldn't just keep being like, well, it's just Joshua Bassett talking about his love for Jesus. And it's like, yes, it is. But look at all this other stuff happening. Like, it's it's just a bunch of ripple effects. And that's, yeah. like, what you really have to think about in the bigger yeah. picture of it all. And I think that's also, like, in our mindset of changing the format of this podcast to be more news-related and topical is us to be like, hey, look at how important all this stuff is that's happening. It's not just politics. It's not just pop culture. It's literally everything. Yeah, exactly. It's just so crazy that like so many people are just like so unaware of like what's going on in the political realm that they're just, I don't just like out here saying whatever they want to say and like thinking that it's not going to have repercussions or whatever. And just like saying shit and being like, it's fine. It doesn't matter what church I did this in. It doesn't matter. It's giving privilege. Yeah, literally. So yeah, I mean, this is going to obviously be like an ongoing thing. Like this might be, this will probably be something we'll like look deeper into at a later date, depending on like what's going on in the world. Cause obviously there's lots of layers to it. Jenna and I aren't political science majors like i'm just like we're just scared girls (laughs) scared women on the internet watching things happen and trying to like use the platform that we have to like acknowledge what's going on and discuss it more and so if you guys would like to discuss it more with us and have thoughts and feelings on anything we talked about today as per usual you can find us on social media we are at name three songs we're always available to chat if you have any personal qualms or love you'd like to send our way i'm at sarah underscore fagan on all platforms and jenna is at jenna underscore million so thanks for joining us this week on name three songs and until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band i remember never too cool to listen to one direction don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit name3songs.com. <laughs>